0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100, best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: If you come into a area that you're weak or you hit a roadblock, it's fine to get through that roadblock and that challenge, but how do you correct it in the future? You've got to create some kind of process or system that then in the future will e- either Simplify that challenge or make sure that doesn't occur at all.
0: Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with $1 million to $100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations for more information, go to Bestevershow.com. Best Ever Listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're gonna get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going.
2: Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we're speaking with Chris and Ashton Leverick. How are you guys doing today? Good. Thanks for having us. Doing great. It's Absolutely. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Looking forward to our conversation. So a little bit about Chris and Ashton, owners of Valkyrie Investment Group, a multifamily real estate investment firm. Currently have 42 units. Chris is from Phoenix, Arizona. Ashton is from Portland, Oregon. And you can say hi to them at Valkyrie Group, V-A-L-K-E-R-E group.com. Do you guys mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you guys are focused on today? Go ahead, Chris. Okay. So as you said, we are
1: brothers. We got started in 2018. Started with a duplex, just investing in multifamily ourselves. Partnered a lot with private lenders and did joint ventures and did some LLC joint ownerships. And we've scaled up to now doing syndication. So we just did a, a 16 unit in North Carolina. And right now we're focused mainly on scaling up to the next level. So doing just bigger and better apartment syndication, 30 to 60 unit is our next target. Is there anything you want to add, Ashton?
3: No, that's about right. It's a good summary.
2: <laughs> so for the duplex, was that a house hack situation? You guys living it together? Or did you guys just buy it and rent that right away?
3: We bought it. We joint ventured with another individual and then bought it and rehabbed it and rented it out. I mean, initially we started trying to burr, you know, the buy, rehab, rent, refinance. But then we got into the syndication. But yeah, the first few were all purchased and then rehabbed and rented out.
2: How did you meet the JV partner?
1: I'll take that one. It was actually a coworker of mine. Nice guy, and we had an existing relationship, of course. I'd known him for about five years. And I started getting into the bigger pocket scene and getting more involved in real estate. I didn't have all the funds I needed to pull an acquisition of over 150 or 200K cash, which is what we were trying to do just to be able to renovate it. And so I started that dialogue. I started presenting, well, here's how we would do it. Started showing how an attorney and a deed of trust and a promissory note might work and just giving that credibility, and then it kind of expanded from there, and we worked together. So,
2: What were the numbers on that deal? What did you buy it for? Is it all cash? What did you put into it? And then what did you sell it for? And then maybe tell us a bit about how, there's three of you on the deal, how the profit structure worked.
1: Sure. So on the first one, yeah, it was a private lender arrangement. So how we did it, we did 70% funded by private lender. It was an all cash purchase. So I guess the purchase price was 209000 and then we did 172000 or 170000 private lender at 9% promissory note. They got a deed of trust and a promissory note. And actually, we did a joint venture agreement just to get all the lines crossed. And then my brother and I, Ashton, we got HELOC, so am equity line of credits on our house. We used that money to fund the rest of the renovations as well as the down payment, the difference between 170 and 209 I think we did get an additional private loan and use some of our Roth IRAs as well. Distributions we pulled out of Roth IRA and were able to use those tax-free. What were the profits on that? And how are those split? So the private lender got a 9% interest for about, I want to say, eight months because renovations were pretty done. They were done four to five months, but it took about seven to eight months to get that refinance back out. It refinanced out. So we bought them at 209. It was two duplexes, actually. So each duplex was 104.5. And then when they were done with renovations, renovations totaled about ninety-five thousand. So it was a good forty-seven each, forty-five each. So when all said and done, they arv their value afterwards was two forty each. So a total of four hundred and eighty thousand ARV, which means we were able to refinance to get a loan of about three hundred and thirty six thousand. And that covered all our costs. So we were able to pay back the private lender, we were able to pay back our HELOCs. And basically, have a cash-flowing asset. It wasn't amazingly cash-flowing for us, but we were the sole owners on that deal, so it was something like 300 cash flow after everything's said and done with that new mortgage. You
2: just to confirm, the private lender was the co-worker, correct? Yeah. Correct. <laughs> okay. Perfect. So from there, you did a 16-unit next. No, that was the biggest there,
3: deal. 16 was the biggest deal. Then we did a couple of duplexes, a five-plex, a 13-unit, and then the 16.
2: What was your first syndicated deal? It would be
3: the 16 unit. That's officially syndicated. We partner with other people's money on every deal, actually. But the first official syndicated deal was the 16 unit.
2: So let's, let's talk about that deal. So we'll first focus on just the acquisition aspect of, then we'll focus on the raising money. So kind of same questions. What did you buy it for? How did you find it? And then what was the business plan?
3: So how we found it was we had been building up relations with commercial brokers in the area. And he had actually brought us the 13 unit prior to that one and we could close and he brought us the 16 unit. I think initially they were asking 1.1 after negotiations, we got it down to 960. And then after we got it under contract, we closed at it for 950. I believe that's right. And then what was the last
2: question? Business plan. So what was the business plan after acquisition?
3: It's a value add play. There was a lot of deferred maintenance, rents were below market. So it was kind of an easy, age old strategy of just buying it, making all the repairs that needed to be done, repainting, that kind of stuff, and then raising the rents as we go. And we're still in the process of doing that. So we have three or four units finished right now because we only just bought it in February.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this would probably be a better question for that 13 unit because this 16 unit deal came from a broker. And yep. the reason why they brought it to you because they knew you could close because it closed on another deal. But how did you win that deal? And if it involved building a relationship with them or some of the things that you did to build that relationship to show them that you had the credibility and the ability to close?
3: Well, I know they'd seen that we've done a bunch of smaller multifamily to include like a five unit, two duplexes, and then two other separate duplexes prior to that. But I'd also been to several meetups, been talking to him and talking about how we raise money and, and Additionally, thanks to my brother, he's really strong. on. The, we have our own website, we had our Facebook page, Instagram, and just building credibility that way in the social side as well. And I think that helped out a lot. And then being able to secure those loans and talking to the right people as far as like building the team on the backside. I mean, we had the property managers, the contractors, all the people that had the experience that we didn't have that we could really rely on to make those good decisions. And he saw that when we were asking the right questions and when we were looking at the property.
2: I'm going to backtrack again, because you mentioned something that brought up a question that I was going to ask earlier. So um, those first two duplexes, it sounds like it was a pretty hefty renovation. Do you mind telling us a little bit about how you were able to find the right contractor for that job? I know the is issue that's kind of recurring is finding that right contractor, that right GC for your deals. It sounded like it worked out well for this first deal. So Maybe give us some advice on, on how best of our listeners can replicate that success.
3: Absolutely. And, and I can speak to that because I was there the day we interviewed, I think, five different contractors, two different property managers. So we had them all come to the property at different times. And I was there all day and we walked the property, let them take measurements, putting together quotes for us really. But really what really helped us was finding the property manager and the property manager had all those connections already. And when we found that rockstar property manager, it was five five, Different contractors. One of which never talked to me again or answered my phone call. Then two, <laughs> I think they sent me quotes, but they were way above what I wanted. And then I can't remember what happened in the last two. Maybe two didn't show. I think or something like that. I don't know. But it was kind of disappointing at first. But Chris found the property manager on Bigger Pockets, and he's the one who came through. He recommended a couple of contractors, and we went with his recommendation. Actually, so for anyone starting out, I think that if you can find the right people that know the right people, that's the way to go. You networking is the way to go. You don't know what you don't know. And, and relying on those people that work in that field all the time is the way to do it. So developing those relationships, that's how, how exactly. we did it. Exactly.
2: Find one really solid team member and then let them find the rest. That's right. the Strategy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So going back to this 16 unit deal. So I understand that you've raised money in the past, so maybe you can apply this to all of your deals if it wasn't different, but maybe tell us a little bit about your money raising process Again, overall of that specific deal, but for that specific deal, what was the compensation that you offered to those investors for that 16-unit deal?
3: Chris, you want to take that one?
1: Sure. So for the money raise, it was pretty important for us on the 13-unit. We had done a a co-ownership LLC with a single investor, and we started to see that, okay, if we're going to scale up to these bigger properties, we need to build that pipeline of connections and that network for investors before we find the next deal. So I really started doing that. We started systematizing how we're intaking those calls from people interested or reach outs on bigger pockets. And we really built out about, I want to say, we built out about 100% of what we needed. And then we tried to build up to about 150% of what we thought we needed. So if we were going to close on a million dollar property, which was our target-ish range, we needed to come up with either 500 grand on that raise just to be safe. So, we aimed at that, and then when we hit that number, we started pulling the trigger on some of these offers on bigger properties, and that's kind of how we structured it. Did everyone we had in the pipeline close? Not really. I would say more than half when the deal was getting fully documented and ready to go to be signed upon. We had quite a few people lose interest at that time, or we didn't maintain the contact, or they went a different direction. And this was all happening actually over the holidays. So that was a great time to do capital raise. So we learned a lot in that process, but we were able to continue to offer the deal up to different people through our network. It was a 504 syndication. So we actually weren't advertising, of course. What it turned out to be was projected was a 13% return. We are very conservative. So it actually, this one will probably go up to a 15% return, but we added in a lot of numbers. We got confirmation on market rents from three different property managers and really checked our numbers on the renovations and what we could hit accurately. But it was more about building in those buffers, the reversion cap rate, really making sure we're selling at a cap rate a lot higher just to be able to ensure what's going to happen in a couple months or a year or two years after we get this deal done. So we really built it in as 13% and our investors were comfortable with that. But I believe we'll hit around 15.7, actually.
2: Okay. And then all these investors, did you know them? Were they like friends and family or were they people that you found? Because you mentioned you had a process on bigger pockets. Was it through that? And if so, what was that process?
1: Sure. I'll speak and then I'll let Ashton. So Ashton kind of, at the time, he's stationed in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. So it was good. He was close by, but he was also building his network. I'll let him talk on that on my end it was coworkers friends family it was people i met at meetups i go to 3 different meetups a month i'm very active on bigger pockets and i think there were about 3 to 4 different people from bigger pockets alone on this deal and a total of about 14 different investors so that's kind of how we built that connection and not all the friends and family that committed joined along so we actually had to just keep going through meetups and bigger pockets and getting new connections. And as we were even doing the process. So you want to speak to how you did it, Ashton?
3: Yeah, I think something we're leaving out too is while we had only done so many of these smaller deals, and I'm sure there's a lot of guys that are going to listen to this and have done bigger ones. But when you walk into a room and you have the confidence to talk about what you're doing, people want to work with you. And we had done a lot, a lot of studying, a lot of looking at markets, a lot of Joe Fairless's book was a big guiding factor in that. Of course, but that's what really built it up. So I know that my brother in the Phoenix market and then myself over in North Carolina, we'd been going to a bunch of meetups, we'd given talks on how to burr and how we're doing different things with real estate and that really helped out a lot as far as credibility and then people wanting to work with us on this deal. But it was the same for me. It was friends and family, of course, and then coworkers, a lot of coworkers actually got involved, which is really cool to see. But yeah networking.
2: (laughs) And then last question before the money question, I thought it was interesting because I know it's very important to confirm the market rates with your property management company, but you mentioned that you got it from three management companies and I'm assuming you don't have three management companies working at the property. So how did those conversations go?
3: So myself and one other partner, actually, we just had them come over and walk the property with us to give us their opinion, what we could give for rents and what we would have to do to get them up to those market rents. And we just set appointments with three different property management companies. And is that best practice? I don't know, but it really helped us out because we didn't know the market as well as they did. And we didn't want to just rely on one property management company. We wanted to see how they work, not only their opinion, but yeah, how they work, what management software they're using, how many contractors they're working with, how they turn a unit, that kind of stuff. So it was really important to us to talk to as many experts in that market as possible.
2: No, I think that's a fantastic approach because I think most people will interview management companies, three management companies, let's say, and then pick the best one, but they do this before they have a deal. You guys had a deal and then you interviewed them. So you get a lot more information out of them to help you not only with that specific deal, but also to learn, hey, which one should I choose? I think it's a really good strategy. All righty. So what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
3: For me, I like that quote, no one is smarter than all of us. So I really think my best ever advice is to really get out and network with the people that are down in the business you want to get into and learn as much from them and then bring them in on your team. Try to build up that team of people you're going to work with.
1: Yeah, and I agree with that. I think you're only as strong as the people that you're surrounded with and they'll not only elevate you, but they'll support you in your weaknesses. I would say I'm in IT in my W2 job as well on the side. So I do love the systems and the processes. And I think a big part of it is if you come into a area that you're weak or you hit a roadblock, it's fine to get through that roadblock and that challenge, but how do you correct it in the future? You've got to create some kind of process or system that then in the future will e- either simplify that challenge or make sure that doesn't occur at all. Then you'll be able to get through to whatever goal you're trying to achieve without hitting those same roadblocks every time. And I think it's a big part of it because a lot of people, they just – Oh, well, I'll I'll get to that next time and I won't worry about it. And then when it comes up again, they're like, ah, dang it. I wish I had corrected this from the last time. I forgot how I did it. So just train those minor tweaks and those systems and processes are huge for investing in real estate. So you don't keep repeating the same mistakes.
2: Okay. You guys ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, first, a quick word from our sponsor.
0: Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you looking to earn passive income through turnkey rental properties? If so, then go check out hipsterinvestments.com. Allie Boone's the founder of Hipster Investments. It's a aesthetically pleasing website and you'll know what I mean when you go check it out. I just love the color palette. In addition to that though, Allie has some wonderful content on both passive investing through turnkey rental properties as well as how to design your life. Go to hipsterinvestments.com.
2: Okay. What is the best ever book you've recently read? Vivid Vision. The one thing. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? Start over. Keep pushing. Pivot. Try something yeah, new. Yeah.
3: Failure yeah, is what? not an option.
2: Perfect. I'm going to change this one up a little bit. So this is going to be either the best ever thing, or if you want to get bold, the worst ever thing in regards to working with your brother. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you can't control him and the competitiveness
1: yeah the unpredictability i like systems and i like that predictable and i like repeated consistency and ashton's fun because he keeps it, keeps it <laughs>
2: unpredictable keeps you on your toes so some of the guys definitely complement each other very well
3: exact opposites yeah on I mean, the what is it the disc profile yeah yeah <laughs> yeah
2: okay so what's the best ever way you guys like to give back
3: Right now, talking to new investors, we're still fairly new, but super motivated. And I really like seeing other people get involved. And I'm finishing up 20 years in the military and talking to a lot of military members. If I could do it again, I would have started a lot sooner while I was in the military. So that's kind of where I focus a lot is giving back to or teaching other military members how they can get involved and start building up that extra stream of income. Yeah, I would
1: agree on that. We give out a lot of content. I'm probably posting on pockets five times a week. And even now I'm working with two investors on a duplex, just a side project and just constantly teaching in that regard. We do like to do veteran charity projects. We're doing the Pat Tillman run here in Phoenix, Arizona. So just doing a fundraiser for that. But yeah, we really like to spread the knowledge because both of us didn't have any idea about this kind of thing till two to three years ago. And we'd like to let everyone else know that this is an option and stocks and 401ks are not the only way to go. Yeah.
2: And then lastly, what is the best ever place to reach you?
3: You can reach out via our website, but we're also on Facebook. We're also on Instagram and then bigger pockets. So if you
1: just look up our names, Chris Leverick, L E V A R E K on bigger pockets or Ashton, same last name. Otherwise our handle on Instagram Facebook at Valkyrie Investment Group. So V-A-L-K-E-R-E Investment Group. And we're pretty active on those. and We're on LinkedIn as well. But the website probably is the best just to get an access to all that. So just go to the website, valkyriegroup.com.
2: All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us today. I enjoyed this conversation a lot and we learned a lot as well. This is summarized some of the things we talked about. We talked about your first deal, two duplexes, a JV deal. Was YouTube and then a private lender who was a co-worker of Chris's. And you guys bought the deal all cash to renovate it. The lender funded 70%. And then between a HELOC loan, as well as your RA, you guys funded the rest. ARV allowed you to get a loan for 336000 which covered all the costs. Paid back the lender, paid yourself back, and you have a cash flowing asset. We talked about your 16 unit your first syndication. You got the deal through a broker you had done a deal with previously and it was a value add deal. You're able to knock the purchase price down from 1.1 to 950 K value add was deferred maintenance and below market rents, so bread and butter value add. And again, you mentioned that in the 13 unit deal you were able to get on the broker side by the fact that you'd done a lot of smaller multifamily deals. You had the experience aspect, but you also talked to them a lot in person at meetup groups as well as the branding side of it. So your website and your social media presence all portrayed your ability to close on the deal. We talked about your process for finding contractors. So you set up appointments for five different contractors and this is those duplexes and had them come out and that's how you were able to narrow down which contractor to use. But you also mentioned that you guys had a lot of success finding a property management company and then using them for all the connections that you needed thereafter and you found them on bigger pockets. We talked about the money raising. So a 13 unit deal, you had one investor realizes you need more. So you had a process to systemize a process, to make sure that you were able to get 150% of the money you needed to close the deal. And it was from coworkers, friends, family, and people at meetups. And I've done three interviews today and every single person I've talked to today has had some massive success from meetup groups. So people get out there and go to meetup groups. There's a lot of opportunities out there. And he also mentioned that the fact that you've done previous deals, and done a lot of research, your confidence in presenting the deal also was able to convince a lot of people to come on board and invest And then lastly, we talked about your best ever advice, which was one, all about the team. So no one is smarter than all of us. And you're only as strong as the people you surround yourself with. And they talked about how you want to go out there, network with people who are doing what you want to do, and then bring them in onto your team. And then the other best ever advice was, if you ever face some sort of issue or challenge, figure out a process to put in place. So it just automatically doesn't happen again, as opposed to just pushing it down the road and letting it potentially happen again. So... Again, thanks, Chris and Ashton, for joining us today. Best ever listeners, as always. Thank you for listening. Have a best ever day, and we will talk to you tomorrow.